What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So, uh, so Tim, what what provoked you to start this website? Oh well, it's a good question. Um, I'm just a normal guy like you, pretty much. And I I needed a job in 2001, and I got hired um, a company in in Nevada, and I moved from Sterling, Virginia. I needed to find a moving company, so I went online and I found one, and they gave me a what I thought was a reasonable price. So I put down a deposit and hired the company, and and they came and loaded up all my things um, like they said they were going to do, but once they had all my belongings, they closed the door and put a lock on the truck and said that my $1,800 move was going to cost me $5,200. Wow, that's similar to what happened to us, only it wasn't that large a difference. And, and it varies depending on the company, um, but it's usually the same story. Once they've got your stuff, um, the price goes up and you lose track of you know who's helping you. They don't call you back. Um, they told me it would take 7 to 10 days. It ended up taking 6 weeks. Um, and even when it did show up, I had damages, and um, yeah, I never did get my $1,800 price. I had to pay the extorted amount, and there really wasn't anybody to turn to. So um, with a background in Internet programming, I put together a website and started telling people about my experience, and it just kind of bloomed from there. So we've been doing this for over 15 years now. So, I, you know, I'm an old fart, and I've, I've lived in a lot of places in this country and, and Germany, for that matter. In 1986, uh, we our entire family of Germany moved back at the uh, you know a year later in '87. Um, we've we I grew up in Michigan. We moved to New Hampshire. We moved to Atlanta, Georgia. We moved to Vermont. We moved to Oregon. We moved back to Washington D.C. And now we've moved back to Oregon. And I've never had this experience, uh, you know. And, and now, you know, granted, uh, you know, our our first big move was in 1978, you know, from from Michigan right. to, to Germany. Or excuse me, to New Hampshire, and then in '83, I guess, or '86, from New Hampshire to to Germany and whatnot. So, what has changed? I mean, back then there, were, you know, the the, the moving companies, uh, you know, they give you a, a quote, they'd honor it. You could you could trust them. They they did what they said. What? How? Why? Why has it become so different? Or or have you and I simply encountered a few weird bad actors in a, in, a, in an otherwise you know brilliant industry? Well, there's actually a lot of history to this, and it, if you don't get the entire history of it, it's hard to understand why it's so complicated. Mm-hmm. But this actually, for the moving industry, it all comes back to the, 
beginning of, of, of this was in 1906 with the railroad barons. And with the railroad barons, the problem with them that they had was that they were giving discounts to their rich friends to ship things across the country because the railroad at the time was the main source of transportation. When you need to move things, you send it by, by rail. Right. So the Interstate Commerce Commission was put together, and they put together rules for, for the railroad. This would be during uh, Teddy Roosevelt's administration. You have to charge all your customers the same rate um, and so on. Hmm. And <clears throat> as the, the highway system was built and um, the moving industry started using trucks and going on the, on the road, they kind of ended up falling under this umbrella of the Interstate Commerce Commission which was fine, except they only had, what, a handful of moving companies. You had um, United, you had um, a few big-name van lines. Yeah, Mayflower. And there weren't, you know, small companies yeah. in the mix. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> in the 80s, that changed. They, they started um, doing a lot of deregulation. You know, there was a big push with that, with, uh, with Reagan, just similar thing you see now, where they're just kind of abandoning rules and regulations willy-nilly. And what happened was um, they did a, a price deregulation, but they also allowed other companies into the industry. So instead of waiting three years to get a license to move people, it took three weeks. So there's this huge influx of new companies that, you know, there was nobody overseeing it. They, they transferred authority from the Interstate Commerce Commission to the federal um, Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, which is a safety administration, so they weren't really interested in the oversight part of it, um, and they still have never taken that seriously, and they're so, still... So basically, they're just making sure that the truck is is uh, functional, as opposed to whether the company picked your stuff up on time, whether they ripped you off, whether they took too long, whether they damaged your goods. None of that has to do with, with traffic safety. With what? With, with traffic safety. No, absolutely not, and, and since that is their... their biggest concern is safety. Um, they've never put resources or money in, and Congress has never pushed them to put resources or money into investigating consumer fraud in the moving industry. So, you know, when you try to get someone to help you as a consumer, you know, that's, you're, you're, there's nobody to call. They've got a handful of investigators, but there's thousands of companies and, and tens of thousands of complaints every year. Right. So, you know, they're they just, there's just no way they can solve all these problems. Now, we after, you know, our, our moving company had promised us uh, 9 to, uh, let's see, what was it, 9 to 12 days, 9 to 21 days. They said the most it would be with 21 days. Mm -hmm. And it was almost 50. And after 30 days, as I recall, uh, we hired a lawyer, and he sent them uh, a demand letter, you know, saying basically we're going to threaten you with uh, conversion and basically stealing the Hartman stuff and, um, and also, you know, harming our business. Right. And uh, they they had not returned our calls for two weeks at that point and uh, had not responded to our emails or for several weeks. I'm not sure the exact timeline. And uh, But they did call him back after a couple of days and said, oh, we're putting it on the truck this weekend. That was three weeks before the stuff arrived here. So obviously they lied to him, too. Right. Um, is uh, we, we have just a minute to the break, by the way. Uh, Tim, are you going to be able to stick around with us for a little bit here? Absolutely. I'll be here as long as you like. Great. And we can take calls. You can take calls from our listeners if they have questions. Sure. Absolutely. Great. We're talking to Tim Walker. He runs a website called movingscam.com. So anyhow, after, after our lawyer did that, Louise started poking around and she started talking to, with you. And it seems like your legal options when it comes to moving companies are fairly small. And it is. And again, um, the, the DAC is stacked against consumers here. It's really weighted 
entirely in favor of the moving companies. Um, so say you go through what, what both you and I experienced where someone, you know, misrepresented their services. They said that they're going to do it for one price, but it ended up being another. They said it would be 10 days and ended up being 45. Right. Um, instead of, as a consumer, you would think that we'd be able to sue them for for intentional misrepresentation or for fraud or for something along those lines. But there's a little-known um, law called the Carmack Amendment, and it supersedes all other federal laws regarding your transportation. And it says that you can't sue a moving company for things like intentional misrepresentation or fraud or or other things that you think are are, really are happening to you. That's amazing. I want to get some background on that. We're talking with Tim Walker with movingscam.com. We'll be back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And yes, there's a lot of news going on and uh, weird Trump stuff and God only knows what else. But uh, actually, I know. I've got a big stack. We'll be getting to it as we go through the program. But first, this is a big issue. And welcome back. So, Tim, uh, you're, you're still with us, right? Tim? Tim? I'm here. Hey, yeah, you're still here. With, okay. Yep, I'm here. Um, so is there a, you know, if, if somebody is listening or, or watching and they're thinking, okay, I, you know, I mean, one in, my understanding is one in seven America, or no, uh, the average American moves every seven years. And uh, I don't know how that turns into how many Americans move every year. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of us use moving companies or will be using moving companies. And uh, what, you know, what's your advice since, since moving companies have us basically by the throat as a result of this, uh, you would you say, Carmack Amendment? Yes, yep. Uh, then what do we do? Well, the burden absolutely falls on the consumer because there isn't anybody looking out for you. So my advice since 2001 and still to this day is you've got to do your own research before you hire a moving company. Um, and we try to, to walk people through the process of, you know, where you can look to, to find out, you know, a moving company's reputation without having to ask them and them lie to you. Um, the government does have some statistics, and we, we've got some links to um, government sites to make sure companies that are licensed and they, that they've been in business for more than three months. Um, we can teach people how to show, how to see who the owner of the company is to make sure that the company has been business has been in business for more than a few months and they know it's not someone that's changing the name of their business every year right. to get out from underneath the bad reputation. Well, so I'm, I'm things that consumers can can do, but it definitely falls on on the shoulders of the consumer. It's not something that you know you can call a moving company up and they're going to be out up front with you about. So. Yeah. Well, the company we hired, I mean, you know, Louise did some some internet searches and, and whatnot, and and uh, it turns out this company has offices in in Georgia and a few other places up in and Florida in the East Coast, but there's another company by the same name based out of uh, the Pacific Northwest, which had great reviews, and Louise assumed that that was the company that we were hiring. They had the same name, and we were going to Portland, and they were like, oh yeah, sure, no problem. Um, and and literally did not discover the evil company that we ended up with, evil I shouldn't use the way the, the less than competent company let's say that we ended up with, uh, or less than high integrity, uh, that uh, until after they had taken our stuff and we realized that we had a problem, um, and and that you know and and this company now has like you know twenty four anti company Yelp reviews, you know, right. people are just trying to, are just, and that's know. fairly common too. You guys didn't do anything that, that 
other people haven't done in the past. One of the big things that these companies do is they'll try to come up with a name that's similar to a company with a good reputation. When they start their business, they know they're going to be going to get you know trashing their company name. So they try to come up with with a name that you might mistake for someone who's a quality mover. So it's very common. It's nothing that that hasn't doesn't happen all the time. Wow. So uh, I know you've got you've got uh, rankings and ratings and reviews on on your website at movingscam.com. Um, what happens when somebody posts a negative review? Is is the, does the if you we have no recourse against the company? Does the company have recourse against us? Um, Actually, Tim, hold that thought. We're, we're hitting another break here. Let me let me ask you again on the other side of this. Uh, we're talking with uh, Tim Walker. He is uh, the founder and uh, operator of MovingScam.com, fascinating website uh, that could help you not have the experience we had. Stick around. Hey, Tom Hartman here with the Tom Hartman Program. You know I'm serious about my health, and so I'm doing something for it. You've heard me talking about Super Beats. I'm drinking Super Beats, circulation superfood powder that helps support my heart and healthy blood pressure, too. I have amazing energy, amazing stamina as well. The New York Times calls Beats fitness in a glass. With Super Beats, I get all the benefits without the bad taste or added sugar. Mix it in water or a smoothie for a jitter-free energy boost. You'll love the taste of Super Beats and feel results in as little as 20 minutes guaranteed of your money back. Try the original berry or black cherry. I like them both. If you haven't tried it yet, now is the time. Only for the summer. You can try Super Beats, maybe the early fall here. Try Super Beats for only $5.95. Here's how. Call now and get a free box of Super Beats with 10 packets to try and feel the results. Plus two free indicator strips for monitoring your nitric oxide levels before and after taking Super Beats. It's just $5.95. You'll love the results. Guaranteed. More energy, more stamina, support healthy circulation. What are you waiting for? Call 800-568-9889. That's 800-568-9889. Or go to TomsBeats.com. That's TomsBeats.com. It's the uh, proprietor of the website, MovingScam.com. Uh, is there a, 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 another title you'd rather I use, Tim? No, that works. Okay. It's called a lot worse. All right. So, so you were talking about how because of this McCarran, am I remembering right, amendment? The, the Carmack Amendment? Carmack, thank you. Let me write that down so I don't get it wrong again. Uh, according to the Carmack Amendment, basically you and I can't sue our moving companies for fraud, for misrepresentation, for ripping us off, for even damaging or losing our goods, presumably. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. No, uh, you're correct. Okay, um, but can they, can they sue us if we go on Yelp and tell the story of what happened to us? And they do. In fact, um, I, I, I'm a lot more careful these days. I've, I actually was sued um, a few times by, because I said the truth about what companies were doing and they didn't really care for it. And yeah, they can sue me for, for anything they want to, but um, for us to sue them for, you know, for basically criminal acts, um, it's, it's just not, it's not in the cards. They don't let us do that. So. It's, that's amazing. I mean, this is, this is uh, you know, I'm, the, 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 the example that we're using here, Tim, you and I right now, and, and you know, both having been the victims of, of moving uh, ripoffs. Um, the example that we're using is unique to the moving industry, but I'm, you know, to lead story in the New York Times today, basically the EPA is doing the same thing with the toxic chemical industry now, you know, giving them carte blanche to, to poison and kill people. It's You're absolutely it, correct. I see the same, the same ideology in Washington today that was going on in the 80s, you know, where, we, you know, where people thought that it, the industries were too regulated and it was holding back business. But some of these regulations that we have in place are there for a reason, and they're protecting us. 
I'm not sure um, that people are paying enough attention to that. I think I can see, you know, the same the same mindset as we had in the in the 80s that is fairly destructive. But isn't the Carmack Act a regulation too? It's just that it regulates you and me and what we can do against moving companies and doesn't regulate the moving companies. It does, and, and the thing is, is that you know, I mean, right now the van lines are, are steaming at me because they don't like to talk about the Carmack Amendment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the main reason why consumers are just being held down. We can't fight back. There's really no recourse for us. What's the history of the Carmack Amendment? They will fight tooth and nail to save that because they know that that's the one thing that keeps their profit line up. What's the history of the Carmack Amendment? When was that put into law and by whom? Um, the Carmack Amendment, again, was put in place for the, for the railroad barons because they were giving, um, giving away uh, low prices to ship goods to their friends and then charging the farmers and small businesses. Oh, this is the one from 1906? Yeah, this goes way back. Oh, my. The moving industry fell underneath it as the transportation industry started moving onto roads instead of rails, uh-huh. and they never took away those protections. I think there was probably a good reason for it at one time, but I think at this point, when they started letting thousands of new companies into this industry instead of just five, um, it really became out of control. They're just, you know, it's it's really not feasible. I don't think to keep it up anymore. Right. So the the deregulation of the '80s made the Carmack Amendment even worse. How? It, it did because at least before the '80s, we had the Interstate Commerce Commission in place, who actually was. You know, they took their job of enforcement seriously, mm-hmm. um, but when they disbanded the Interstate Commerce Commission and transferred authority to the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, they didn't want the authority, and then they also had fewer investigators. So basically it was just, you know, turning the handouts over to the foxes. Right, which seems to be what we're doing with the EPA and a whole bunch of other federal agencies right now, which is just bizarre. But I, I see this as meta to the... Ever since the 1980s, prior to the 80s, and I've been in business, I've been literally, you know, running my own corporations since the late 1960s. And I've seen this huge shift, and it seems to me that it occurred during the 80s, during the greed is good era, the Reagan era. Um, Prior to that, businesses really felt an obligation to community, to customer, to employee, and to product, and to the institution of the company itself. And ever since the Reagan you know, era, ever since the, in particular, both deregulation and changing executive compensation and cha- and so that executives can be compensated with stock options, now it seems like the only metric that companies care about is how kind of, how, what kind of profit and dividends they can produce for their stockholders and their CEOs. It's like there's been a change in the ethical basis of business in America since the 80s. Or am I just imagining this? No, I think you're right on the spot there. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. Okay, exactly by, the, by the way, can you stick? We, I've got a bunch of people who are calling in with questions about moving scams that they may be confronting and whatnot. And um, I'm assuming the one caveat, since these companies are so litigious and you can't sue them back, is uh, don't mention the name of the company when you come on. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, can you stick around for a little bit and take calls? I can. Okay. Great. We have about 30 seconds before we're going to hit a break here. We're talking with Tim Walker. Uh, he had an experience similar to ours back 15 years ago, and his website just celebrated its 15th anniversary. It's called movingscam.com. And we're seeing in the moving industry now, uh, you know, the, the coming to a chemical industry near you, it's not quite the same thing, but uh, the, the bottom line is, uh, you know, 
who cares about the consumer? I mean, it, with banks, you know, the, they're, they're trying to they're trying to gut uh, Dodd Frank right now, so that they can do away with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau because it has recovered 14 billion dollars worth of money ripped off from consumers. And so, hey, we can't have that. We got to do away with that. You know, banks ripping people off. Nothing wrong with that. Anyhow, we'll be back in five minutes right after this break uh, with Tim Walker taking your calls on, on the moving industry. Stick around. Welcome back. Tim Walker with movingscam.com on the line with us. Who knew that this was a, a, a literally a national, industry-wide problem? Tim, just a quick question before we pick up some calls. Uh, you're still with us, right? I am. I'm okay. Right before we pick up some calls from our listeners for you, um, how big a problem is this? I mean, is, is it like, you know, this is 5% of the industry and it's just a fringe, or this is 50% of the industry and it's become a minefield, or it's 90%? I mean, what, what, are the, how, how, what are the proportions of this problem that you and I encountered? Well, it is definitely a, a fringe part of the industry. Uh, it's, it's, no way, it's probably nowhere near 5%. But the, the people who are engaging in the scam practices have been very good at their marketing skills, so they're easy to find. Mm-hmm. Um, they're definitely, it's definitely not, not hard to find one of these guys. But the majority of moves do end up doing well and going smoothly, but um, these problems have been persistent. They don't, they're not going away because no one's doing anything. Nothing is changing. So they're going to be here until something changes. Is one solution for a potential consumer to simply go with the big-name companies? Yes. Um, that is, you know, that, that is probably the safest way because in general they are, um, out of the, out of the entire group, they they have the most to protect. Their reputation is, um, is their business, but it's not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Yeah. On and every, because they act as van lines. And in, in other words, there's a, there's a main company kind of ahead of this whole van line. Then all of these offices where they have trucks and you go and see them locally, that's an agent. So it's not actually part of the company. They're, they're acting as a representative. It's like franchisees? So it's all similar to a franchise almost. Yeah, yeah, interesting. But, but uh, on the other hand, the national company, if they feel like this, this individual agent is m- not representing them well, they can pull their, their ability to use that company's and they name. Do, right? And they do. They're very good about that. If we have a problem with, a, with one of the agents, um, if we call them up and express what the issue is, um, they're very protective about their brand. So in that case, they will boot them, but if you're the poor consumer that found out what they're doing first, um, right. So for this company that moved us, uh, number one, they deprived us of our stuff for you know several weeks longer than they promised. Um, although their promise in writing might have been quite different, uh, there was an online uh, yes, I agree to the terms and conditions that Louise had to sign, and once she clicked it, it vanished. She she didn't have a copy of it. She couldn't print it. I have no idea. She has no idea right now what exactly was in that and so it may have been an indemnification of them somehow um, but um, what do people what can people do after they've been scammed i mean you know these guys you know they, they charged us extra once they put our stuff on the truck then when they get here it's like oh you've got to have more money when we get here and and it's you know well it, actually the, the the amount that we paid here we had pre pre-agreed to but but the you know it's just it, it almost felt like ransom. I mean, what what can you do? Well, it is a ransom, and honestly, um, if they're going to demand that from you, you, there's not a whole lot of recourse you have. Um, my advice, if you're if you've already found yourself in the middle of a scam, is 
and you, you've got to write it out, get your stuff back, because, um, you know, if you really set them off and they just don't deliver your stuff and they disappear, then you're then you're really out of luck. You really don't have enough recourse to go after them. So my advice is to get your stuff back and then see if you can find someone, you know, a willing ear, an attorney who thinks that, that, uh, that it's worth it to them to go after these companies. I personally had trouble finding an attorney. I went to three of them, and they all said, I can't do anything for you. And I went to the FMCSA, and they said, I'm sorry, but we can't step in and help you. So once you find yourself in the middle of a scam, it's it's really tough. It's it's tough to, to get through it and, and tell people, hey, you know, you're screwed. But at that point, you kind of are screwed. Yeah. And that's why we try to catch people before they move. Right. Okay, let's pick up some calls here. Terrell in Hopkins, South Carolina. Hey, Terrell, you're on the air with uh, with Tim Walker with yeah, MovingScam.com. Um, thank y'all for taking my call. Uh, what it was, I was calling to address a couple of the things y'all issues that y'all had as far as the furniture industry is concerned because I'm a fourth-generation furniture mover, and I've been moving, moving furniture for over 20 years. Currently, I haul freight, but uh, I, like I said, I'm an old truck driver moving furniture, though. And a lot of the things that y'all have, that, that the situation that y'all have about, like, getting overcharged and things like that, nine times out of ten, the driver doesn't know about that. They came out with a with a situation years ago about a family first plan where drivers were basically getting paid less money to do the same job that they were doing as far as household families were concerned. And... The money, come to find out, the government gave the, the family first plan back. They took it off the table, and the companies never told the drivers, and basically they were scamming the drivers out of money. Hmm. So the, so the and, companies and, are ripping and, off the drivers too, Terrell? Yeah. So, I mean, in the beginning, and I, for instance, when you said that you had to, you were charged X amount of dollars in the beginning of a move, and then you were told another figure later on. Right. They, it was basically the company that charged you that. The driver doesn't know anything about that. As far as when the driver does any moving or anything like that for any any person, they're only given a percentage of whatever they're they're hauling. That most times it's up it's between fifty six, well fifty two to sixty five percent. Other than that, the company keeps the rest of that. So, all right, if they tell me this, I'm getting paid three thousand dollars, I get fifty two percent of the three thousand dollars to move these. They tell you first three thousand, then they change it to six thousand. I don't know about that six thousand. Right, but uh, the consumer's contract is with the moving company. It's the bill of lading generally has a moving yeah. company's name and then it's signed by the consumer. And, and the bill of lading is actually your contract. So yeah, but the, the, the bill of lading that the driver receives is the original amendment. They don't get an amended one. All they have on the bill of lading basically is your name, your address, and where it's going to. And they have the, the 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 estimated cost for the boxes, which is packed usually by a third party, and or yourself. And then other than that, they only have whatever is shown on that thing. So we don't know if there's an amendment because they'll talk. The company is talking to the civilian to see whether or not they're and tell them what they're getting charged for it. Or the same situation. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and 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 uh, Tim, to, to Terrell's point, uh, you know, when the when the when our stuff finally arrived here in Portland, um, the guy called up Louise and he said, "I understand you're really upset with your moving company. I just wanted to let you know I am not that company. I'm not affiliated with that company. Correct. I'm just a local contractor right. uh, who who is Correct. trying to do his job. And please don't be angry with me." And he was a very nice guy, and he did a great job of unlo unloading our stuff. 
Um, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. Me good, good, good one, Terrell. Thank you. Uh, Tim, go ahead. Oh, I, I just, uh, I, to me, the problem is with the moving companies. I, I don't put this on the truck drivers at all. And a lot of times, these companies will hire people and not tell them what they've done to the customer. Right. So, the, yeah, the truck driver gets to the other end, and all of a sudden, they've got somebody screaming at them, and that's not right. But that's not where the problem lies. The problem doesn't lie between the customer and the truck driver. The problem lies between the customer and the moving company, and then the laws that govern that contract. Right. Susan in Lutz, Florida. You're on the air with uh, Tim Walker. Hi, Tom. I'll get right to the point. Um, just about every problem you all have mentioned we had in our last move, start to finish. So I won't go into all of them or any of them, actually. Um, I'm going to go on to Tim's website, and perhaps you, a, a, a person who's going to move can go there first and look about look at all the things to watch out for. Um, the one thing... Um, that I would mention that you all haven't mentioned is there are companies who call themselves XYZ moving company and they are actually not doing the moving they're brokers and what they do is when a customer calls and uh, wants a move they'll put it out for bid and they've got who, who knows how many companies involved and so the person who's actually moving you is a totally unknown entity um, Very good point. And Excellent point. Yeah, so that that's one thing. So you have to be careful that the company that you're dealing with is actually the company doing the moving. But um, I go along with Tim. We always used um, well-known, well-respected, um, big-name companies that had offices in our city and had good reputations. But we had a really expensive move this time, so we decided to go shopping for price. Bad idea because it actually ended up costing us about $2,000 more than had we moved with the best company, and we ended up with all this damage on top of, of, on top of it. Yeah. And by the way, we also had trouble with the drivers. A lot of stuff was stolen off the truck. So... Yeah, and we haven't even goes on. we haven't even gotten to to being able to inventory all our stuff yet to see what's there. Uh, Tim Tim Walker, and it's movies so hard to make a claim. I'm sorry. Uh, you have to have everything appraised. Uh, you know, every every dent, every scratch, every broken thing. You have to find out the value of it from some reliable source. You you could spend a year doing that. Yeah, yeah. Tim, your thoughts? Um, and the other, like you said, that we we'd absolutely recommend not using brokers. Um, and we do, on the How to Find Irreparable Moving article on the website, we do explain how to tell the difference between a moving company and a, and a, and a broker, because the brokers are definitely dangerous. We've, they've been a problem since they started. Yeah. Are there any efforts to re-regulate the industry, Tim? Absolutely not. None. None? None. Nobody cares. Well, you know, if, if the average American moves once every se seven years, I would think there's a hell of a lot of people who care. Well, there's a lot of consumers that care, but there's a... But Consumers express themselves with their vote, and companies express themselves with money, and the politicians, you know which ones they listen to. Yeah, yeah, good point. We're talking with Tim Walker, his website, movingscam.com. Uh, were you scammed by a moving company? Uh, and, and, and how is this a meta? How does this inform us about, you know, Reagan's America, essentially? We'll be back with uh, your calls from Tim. Back, Eric in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. You're on the air with Tim Walker. Um, Tim, 
A couple of real basic types of ideas occurred to me uh, when you first started laying out the situation. And given that you've done this a number of years, um, I guess I'll ask, have you tried this yet? A um, couple of things you could do. Take the, uh, the business agreement out of the federal interstate commerce jurisdiction and attach a basic rider to your moving company contract the, the type of thing that we've all written up when we sold a used car or something, just, you know, I agree to abide by the terms, blah, blah, blah. You sign it, have them sign it, and then you're in state law for a breach of contract if they fail to follow their own words. That's, that's one way of doing it. Another way would be, let's say it's, it's Tom and his, and his wife doing their move. Have one of them enter the contract with the company and have the other one have an agreement with their spouse, if the mover fails the spouse who signed the contract, the other spouse has a claim for third-party breach of duty. Tom was relying on Louise's signature. The company screwed Louise's signature. So now Tom's in a hitch because they didn't keep their word to Louise. He can go around Louise and sue them for a third-party thing. And this is all governed at the state level, and it it pulls it out of the federal court and out of the interstate commerce and the, the Carmack Amendment. Have you, have you tried that? Have you had people try that, you know, attach a rider to the existing contract that they provide you? I have never had that, heard of that, anyone trying that, or so I don't know whether that would work or not. If you could do me a huge favor and maybe log on to movingscan.com and send me an email with your ideas, I'd, I'd yeah, be Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like an end run. But this is what these corporations are doing to us. This is exactly the deregulation that Tom's talking about. This is exactly, they look at where their vulnerabilities are from us as the consumer, and, and that includes vulnerabilities for very bad, consciously made behavior on their part, and then they lobby to insulate against us. That's how this Carmack Act gets created. They look at, okay... Where are the areas that we typically see trouble? Let's let's throw up a, a brick wall there. So no matter how bad the conduct is, they've got no no right to sue us. So you, what I'm suggesting is that you make it a basic contract in the state you physically signed it in. Right. You know, Tom was Tom. You went from the district out to Oregon, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So you you sign it physically there. Did you? Did you do all this online for this move, Tom, or did you no. have any in-person interaction with them? Uh, I think it was all online until the guys showed up, but I'd have to ask Louise. My question is, Tom, I think your move was down in Florida. If you're moving from you know, in the northeast over to the, to the west coast and your movie's down in Florida, at what point would you sign something like that? Or, you know, or yeah, what well, that's what I'm wondering. If, if Tom only dealt with the driver... That creates a bit of a, you're going to have to find a way. You can do electronic signatures uh, that are legally binding over, over the web now. That's right, easy which we did. Do. You could do a notary. But, but the point I'm making is just, and, and do it kind of innocently. I don't want to say you're tricking them. You're just uh, kind of a little lost lamb, and you're innocently saying, hey, you know, can, uh, Eric, can I are you a lawyer? this rider? Eric, are you a lawyer? Uh, no, no, Tom. Uh, do you recognize me from other calls? No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the guy who's been doing his own drug test lawsuit against the Pentagon contractor oh, for ten okay. years. I've been right. myself. I'm a funeral director, but I've been. I got it. As I go along. Eric, thanks for the call. We'll be right back. All right. 
Welcome back, Tom Harlan here with you. Just for another six or eight minutes, we're talking with Tim Walker with MovingScam.com. Then we're going to uh, get on to climate change and, and politics and everything else, all the stuff that's going on. Wendell Potter will be with us in a few minutes. Uh, but right now, Tim in Beverly Hills has a question for Tim Walker. Tim, you're on the or Tom, right? Excuse me, in Beverly Hills. Tom, you're on the air with Tim. Hi, good morning. Um, I just wanted to um, offer a, a little advice. Um, my company has coordinated and orchestrated relocation projects around the world for about 27 years. And, um, and what I see so often is that people don't do their homework. Um, and and I, most of my clients are fairly high-end celebrity-type orchestrated moves. And, um, and I'm amazed at, at what people don't want to pay for to move everything they own. <laughs> and, right. and for me, I just, I see so many people that make the mistake of uh, hiring a mover over the, you know, over the internet or, or even on the phone rather than having someone actually come out and physically do an inspection. And, and they should be able to give you a very firm estimate. I've seen 30,000 to 50,000 pound moves be within a couple of hundred pounds of weight. Wow. And anytime you cross state lines, it goes strictly by weight. Um, if you're doing a local move, then that's a whole different situation. And, and um, that is, is um, and right. correct me if I'm wrong, um, on, on scamming, but um, local moves are handled, handled quite differently than, than cross-country or cross-state. Okay. Once across the um, lines, it becomes uh, federal. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Tom, moves. for that. That's, no worries. That's, that's great. We've got, wow, we got a lot of calls here on this topic. Pam in Falls Church, Virginia. Pam, you're on the air with Tim uh, Walker. Yeah, hi, Tom. I just had a suggestion for you. Um, uh, maybe uh, contacting a realtor, a really good real estate agent or agency, because they have um, quite a few referrals and workmen and inspectors and members that they use. And even if you uh, don't know one, to ask a friend, and even if you're not buying yet, mm. that might be somebody and that would certainly know. Oh, that's a great suggestion, Pam. Tim companies. is... That is good advice, and that is a part of Thank the piece you, of advice that we do recommend is talking to realtors, because they do know um, people who are moving and who have moved recently. So. That's great. Manny, I, I don't have a city or state for you, Manny. Where are you located? Oh, I'm actually in uh, Connecticut. I'm Connecticut. Actually in Glastonbury, Connecticut. Okay, great. You're on the air with Tim. So this happened to me a few, um, about, about eight years ago. So I was coming from uh, Florida all the way to uh, New Jersey. And kind of like you, Tom, I've moved around quite a bit for work and stuff like that. And as soon as they, uh, the truck pulled up, I, I did a favor for all these movers. I brought everything down to the garage, make it easy for them and all that. And even though I told them I had, you know, 20 boxes of 18 by 24 uh, measurement, they, they came in and said, well, no, you said it was 10 by 12 boxes, so we got to charge you $900 for these boxes. And at that point, my, I have a one-year-old. My wife is helping me carry stuff, and the driver kind of realized that he was kind of, you know, being pushed to, to take advantage of me from the dispatch. And I said, you know what? Forget the boxes. I'll run a U-Haul trailer, hook it up to my expedition. Fortunately, I had a, an expedition that I can attach it to. And I said, I'll just take the boxes, just take the moving stuff. And at that point, the dispatch says, you know what? We're not moving him. We're not making enough off him. Unload the truck and forget him. Go on Whoa. to the next person. Wow. And I got on the phone with the guy, and I, and I blocked his truck with my car. And I, I don't suggest people doing this, but the driver realized how frustrated I was, and I had to be in New Jersey by a certain time frame. And it, it, they ended up taking the stuff for the price that they initially said. But it was a good three hours back and forth, and I didn't know this was so common. Um, so what I did was when I moved from New Jersey to Connecticut, I went to a local driver that's, that's in the area that does moves for people, 
and you know face to face with the owner of that of that truck and did a move and when you just go small business to a person like that and there's no middleman in between um it went you know things go a lot smoother and i suggest that if anybody's moving across country uh kind of like what you just did and what i did get them to inspect everything and get a contract right in front before the truck even gets there because that was my, my biggest mistake was i did everything over the phone Right. And once they get there, they just want to try to see where they can nickel and dime you. Right. And it was horrible. My one-year-old, basically, your house is pretty much packed. We have nowhere to go, and they're saying they're, they're not taking the stuff. And yeah, I'm, I was nightmare. I was living I was sleeping on an air mattress for three weeks. Uh, you know, just a few months after back surgery. This was not a good thing. Manny, no. great story. Uh, Tim, your thoughts? Tim, pardon me. Uh, your thoughts on Manny's story? No, I think uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that they that they said that the. You know, that they we're just going to drive away, but um, I guess I'm not too surprised. They're pretty dead set on ripping you off. Yeah, yeah, it, it appears. John in Maryville, Indiana. John, you're on with Tim uh, Tim Walker of MovingScam.com. Hi, Tim, um, and hi, Tom. I've been wanting to call in for a long time, and I just never, I just thought it was recorded earlier, and, you know. Well, anyway, I moved last year, and I used Grable van lines, and um, I had a contract with them. It took me a month to get a copy of it before I moved. I had so much trouble with them. I got an, an, another estimate from Atlas Van Lines. They were quite a bit higher. So I complained and complained and complained to the moving company that I had the agreement with. And finally, they ironed things out, and we made the move. And... I get to the other end, and it's not only delayed, they damaged almost everything that I have. And I had taken out inserts with them. It's on the contract. And I called, I belong to a, uh, a legal shield, you know, and I called the uh, lawyer, and they told me there's really nothing you can do about it. Wow. They sent them letters. They got no. John, we only have either. we only have 30 seconds left here in this hour. I, okay. Can we get a quick okay. response from Tim on that? Uh, okay, oh, thank you. Well, it's, it's, thank you, John. So, that's one of the other problems that we have is, is, and that's another scam with these guys is that they'll say that. In fact, they may sell you insurance that doesn't exist, but you think that you're insured, and you get to the other end and. You have what you have. Or you get to the other end and they say, okay, where are your before and after pictures? And you're like, wait a minute, exactly, I was supposed to take yeah. before pictures? Yeah, they're not really, uh, they're not really great on, on integrity. So. Yeah, this is, this is really unfortunate. All right, would, the, would a solution to this or the beginning of a solution be to repeal the, the Carmack Amendment or to modify it, Tim? Well, I think it could be modified. I don't know that the moving industry should be, under, should be covered under that anymore just because of the expansion in companies and no expansion in, uh, in enforcement of regulation. Right, right, in protections. Tim Walker, the, uh, the founder and proprietor of MovingScam.com, brilliant website. Tim, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. We'll be back. Hey, Tom Harbin here with the Tom Harbin Program. You know I'm serious about my health, and so I'm doing something for it. You've heard me talking about Super Beats. I'm drinking Super Beats, circulation superfood powder that helps support my heart and healthy blood pressure, too. I have amazing energy, amazing stamina as well. The New York Times calls Beats fitness in a glass. With Super Beats, I get all the benefits without the bad taste or added sugar. Mix it in water or a smoothie for a jitter-free energy boost. You'll love the taste of Super Beats and feel results in as little as 20 minutes guaranteed of your money back. 
Try the original berry or black cherry. I like them both. If you haven't tried it yet, now is the time. Only for the summer. You can try Super Beats, maybe the early fall here. Try Super Beats for only $5.95. Here's how. Call now and get a free box of Super Beats with 10 packets to try and feel the results. Plus two free indicator strips for monitoring your nitric oxide levels before and after taking Super Beats. It's just $5.95. You'll love the results, guaranteed. More energy, more stamina, support healthy circulation. What are you waiting for? Call 800-568-9889. That's 800-568-9889. Or go to TomsBeats.com. That's TomsBeats.com. Welcome back. Tom Harvin here with you. The Environmental Protection Agency has taken a bizarre turn. Uh, as has uh, Donald Trump's tweeting and Charles Blow writing about Donald Trump and Adolf Hitler in the New York Times last Friday. There's a confluence here. There's a single storyline that goes through all of these. And the, the single storyline is that we're being lied to. We're being scammed. You know, we were just in the last hour talking about the moving company, uh, you know, this, this, this uh, cancer within the moving industry that apparently is only a relatively small percentage of movers, but, uh, you know, that they basically rip people off. I was a victim of this, as was uh, our last guest, as were a number of our callers. But, but you know, this is, that's almost small time. I mean, that's, that's just, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry because, you know, on, a, on average, Americans move every seven years, but not every American, when they move, hires a moving company. A lot of people just fill up the U-Haul or get a friend with a van and make six trips. I mean, I've certainly done that. We moved four or five times in Michigan when we, when we lived in Michigan. I mean, never hired a moving company, just always did it ourselves, get a U-Haul. But when you're hauling your stuff from, you know, D.C. to Portland, it's a kind of a different game. But all this stuff is happening around, you know, these, these lies that I'm talking about. Well, for example, Donald Trump this morning tweeting that United Kingdom, this wasn't this morning, this was actually October 20th, United Kingdom crime rises 13% annually amid spread of radical Islamic terror. Not good, we must keep America safe. And he put that, that in quotes, United Kingdom crime rises 13% annually amid spread of radical Islamic terror put it in quotes, the president of the United States. Where did that quote come from? Turns out it was on a segment of One America News Network, O-A-N-N, according, uh, according to a piece over at uh, Media Matters for America. Uh, this is, you know, which is pretty breathtaking that the president who has access to the CIA, the FBI, all the intelligence, you know, naval intelligence, every intelligence service, we got, what, 27 intelligence agencies in the United States? He's getting his intelligence from right-wing television news, either Fox News or, or One America News. And in fact, One America News ran a story about this just before Trump tweeted it. And in the story, they actually had a chyron, you know, those little words at the bottom of the screen that sometimes they're referred to as bottom thirds, although technically that's a, a slightly different thing that essentially said the same thing. And this is, you know, and, and Trump has a history with, with this, this uh, network. This network had hired Corey Lewandowski. Uh, this network has repeatedly hosted Jack Prosobiec, a right-wing troll who pushed the Pizzagate conspiracy theory, according to Media Matters. So you've got that. You've got uh, Charles Blow, writing about Hitler's line, excuse me, uh, Trump's line. He's, the, the headline is Trump isn't Hitler, but the line. And he, he quotes from Mein Kampf, 
This is literally word for word from, from Hitler's autobiography, Mein Kampf, which translates into my struggle in English, by the way, if you, if you never knew. And Hitler says, and I quote, in the big lie, there is always a certain force of credibility because the broad masses of a nation are always more easily corrupted in the deeper strata of their emotional nature than consciously or voluntarily. And thus, in the primitive simplicity of their minds, they more readily fall victim to the big lie than the small one, since they themselves often tell small lies in little matters, but would be ashamed to resort to large-scale falsehoods. It would never come into their minds to fabricate colossal untruths, and they would not believe that others could have the impudence to distort the truth so infamously, even though the facts which prove this to be so may be brought clearly to their minds. They will still doubt and waver and will continue to think that there may be some other explanation. For the grossly impudent lie always leaves, leaves traces behind it, even after it's been nailed down, a fact which is known to all expert liars in this world and all who conspire together in the art of lying. End of quote from Mein Kampf, from Adolf Hitler. This is what Franklin Roosevelt had to say about this. And in this, this context, he was, he was speaking about the Republicans. Here he is. Remember, a number of years ago, there was a major I mean, tax reform. Written uh, by show me how that gets through the Senate, right? right? I mean, I think it shouldn't it's... be here. There we go. Okay, let's start this over again. Number of years ago, there was. Oh, it's coming out of my computer. I know what it is, Sean. This is my fault. I'm sorry. Let me let me uh, let me stop that. And now. Back to Mein Kampf. Remember, a number of years ago, there was a book, Mein Kampf, written by Hitler himself. The technique was all set out in Hitler's book, and it was copied by the aggressors of Italy and Japan. According to that technique, you should never use a small falsehood. Always a big one, <laughs> for its very fantastic nature would make it more credible. If only you keep repeating it over and over and over again. So one of the big lies that keeps getting repeated over and over and over again by the Republicans is the need to deregulate our economy. The need to deregulate American business. The need to free up those moving companies from those onerous regulations. The need to free up those chemical companies from those onerous re regulations. Trump uh, rules is the, is the uh, section of uh, the, <laughs> the New York Times today. Eric Lipton writing an article. The headline kind of says the whole thing. Why has the EPA shifted on toxic chemicals? An industry insider helps call the shots. A scientist, this is the subhead, a scientist who worked for the chemical industry now shapes policy on hazardous chemicals. Within the EPA, there is fear that public health is at risk. He talks about uh, perfluoro, perfluoroctonic acid, or PFOA, a chemical linked to kidney cancer, birth defects, immune system disorders, and other serious health problems. So scientists and the administrators in the EPA's Office of Water were alarmed in late May when a Trump administration appointee insisted upon rewriting a rule to make it harder to track the health consequences of this chemical, PFOA, and therefore to regulate, excuse me, to regulate it. Uh, the revision was more, among more than a dozen demanded by the appointee uh, this is a woman by the name of Nancy B. Beck. After she joined the EPA's Toxical chemi Chemical Unit in May as a top deputy, 
For the previous five years, she had been an executive at the American Chemistry Council, the chemical industry's main trade association. Uh, the EPA's abrupt new direction on legacy chemicals is part of a broad initiative by the Trump administration. The industry has not benefited from such highly placed champions in government since the Reagan administration, writes Eric Lipton. In March, Scott Pruitt, the EPA chief, overrode the recommendation of uh, Ms. Hammett, Hamnett, an agency scientist to ban, she's, she's a longtime EPA person, an agency scientist to ban the commercial use of the pesticide chloropiferose, if I'm saying that right, blamed for developmental disabilities in children. No, you can still use that now. The EPA's new leadership also pressed agency scientists to reevaluate a plan to ban certain uses of two dangerous chemicals that have caused dozens of deaths or severe health problems, methylene chloride, which is found in paint strippers, and trichloroethylene, that's also known as TCE, which removes grease from metals and is used in dry cleaning. And uh, they're quoting somebody, a longtime person with the EPA saying this is very disturbing. The industry met with EPA political appointees, and that's when I was asked to change the agency's stand. And a spokesperson for the EPA was, the EPA was asked about this. Liz Bowman, a spokesperson for the EPA, uh, told Eric Lipton at the New York Times, quote, no matter how much information we give you, you will never, you would never write a fair piece. Right. Ms. Bowman, by the way, who said that, used to be a spokeswoman for the American Chemistry Council. So are we seeing a trend here? If a business wants to rip you off, if a business wants to kill you, if a business wants to promote and sell poisonous substances, that's just fine with Trump. For every new regulation, two old ones have to go. Brilliant, huh? I mean, isn't this, this, this is, hang on. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Idiotic Republican doctrine of for every regulation you pass, you have to delete two, somehow gets applauded across America. What am I missing here? And Wendell Potter, welcome back to the program, Wendell. Tom, glad to be back. Thank you very much. Great having you with us. And uh, so I just saw an article a couple of days ago that suggested, or it didn't suggest, I mean, it laid out the numbers that for the first time since the Affordable Care Act was passed, uh, from that point until now, and you would know the day and the month and year anyway of uh, the passage of it, I, I'm sorry, I don't at the top of my head, but from then until, until just very recently, the number of uninsured Americans had been steadily declining. And in the last certain period of time, I'm guessing you know what it is, they've actually increased. What's going on? Well, a lot of people certainly were brought into coverage because of the Affordable Care Act, which was signed into law in 2010. Uh, and, but there's still 30 million of us who are uninsured. And unfortunately, a lot of people are just simply uh, uh, not signing up. They, and in many cases, they fear that their premiums are going to be too high. The Trump administration certainly has been, uh, I think, scaring people away and telling people that the, the exchanges are collapsing. It's not true. But uh, uh, there are a variety of reasons, and not enough people are insured, which is just a shame. Yeah. So, Wendell, what, what do we do about this? And tell us about Tarbell. Tarbell is a new journalism nonprofit that my team and I are launching. We've been laying the groundwork now for several months. And today we're launching a crowdfunding campaign. We want to be entirely reader-funded. And the thing that we're uh, going to be focusing on is the people who really have the power in this country, who pull the strings of our politicians in, in Washington and all over the country. Uh, the uh, uh, problem is that most people think that the president or, uh, or members of Congress, the state legislators or governors, uh, 
are the powerful, but they're not. It is the big corporations and the special interests that contribute so much money to uh, control uh, how elections uh, turn out and how policy is made. I saw it happen uh, up close and personal during the Affordable Care Act debate, and I used to be a part of it when I was in my old job at, uh, in the insurance industry. Right. So, so the uninsured rate is going up as a consequence of the Trump administration making it harder for people to figure out how to sign up. Is that the bottom line? That's the bottom line. Uh, it, is, it is more challenging. They've cut the, the funding for uh, the advertising, for the navigators who help people sign up. So a lot of people just simply are not aware. They need to be reminded that coverage is available. Uh, so in many cases, uh, the administration is sabotaging the Affordable Care Act Affordable Care Act uh, to try to uh, make a prophecy come come true that just uh, wouldn't otherwise be if it weren't for the actions of, of the administration. We want to shine a light on that with Tarbell, and it's tarbell.org, by the way, uh, because we're a nonprofit and all donations are tax deductible. But uh, uh, we people need to know the power behind decisions that are made. And uh, Congress, of course, is uh, debating tax reform, and of uh, the powers that be, the, the people with money, are the ones who are pushing this forward, and the rich will be undoubtedly more uh, benefited uh, if this goes forward as proposed than, than regular folks. But they're being sold on something that just simply isn't, uh, uh, isn't going to be very meaningful for, the, for, the, for most of us. We're talking to Wendell Potter. Tarbell.org is the website. Wendell, how do you see this thing playing out? I, there's the, obviously the Republicans are of the opinion that uh, health care is a privilege, not a right, and that it's not the job of government to be providing it. This was an argument that Ronald Reagan made back in the 1960s when Lyndon Johnson was first rolling out Medicare. Uh, Reagan made an entire 33 LP that went all over the country. My dad had one. Um, talking about how someday, you know, we'll look back and remember when men were free. You know, if, if we pass Medicare, it's the beginning of the, of the damned road to, you know, or the road of damnation to, to socialism, um, things like this. So it's not like the Republicans have ever made a secret of the fact that they don't think that the government should have anything to do with people getting well. Uh, but it, it, it seems like this, this war on American health care has just gone on steroids or or is this just the normal pushback? I think it is on steroids. I think that we're seeing uh, policy driven by ideology, uh, not evidence. And again, it's one of the things that we want to try to do with Tarbell is to help people understand what is evidence based uh, uh, policy. Uh, this is exactly as you described. There are a lot of people who just do not think that the government has any role in, in helping people to get the care that they need. Uh, Rand Paul certainly is one of them. As a libertarian, he thinks that there should be no role of the federal government and uh, let the free market uh, uh, do what the free market does. It just simply does not work, however, in health care. And there's abundant evidence, years and decades of evidence, that the so-called free market uh, doesn't work. We've got a, a classic case of market failure. And coming out of the insurance industry, I know that uh, up close and personal, I saw how how the insurance companies operate, how they are in it to make money uh, and uh, not cover people who really need care if they can avoid it at all, not to pay claims. So it is a, it, it's a system that just has failed us uh, for many, many years. It cannot be sustained, uh, but there are those who just wish it to be so.
Are there are there like golden handcuffs? I mean, it's it's why is it that this industry has not spawned hundreds of whistleblowers like you? I, you, you seem like a lone voice in the wilderness. M maybe I'm maybe I'm misunderstanding, but. Um, but it, it seems to me that a lot of the people who, I mean, you were an executive vice president of one of these big insurance companies. It seems like anybody in those kind of, in that kind of a position probably is unwilling to give up a six or even seven figure sure. annual salary and all the benefits associated with it in exchange for being a whistleblower and, and, you know, living a, a normal middle class life. Oh, it's exactly the case. Uh, there are a lot of people who, who know the system as I know it, who know the problems. Uh, that are caused by uh, our, our private a system of private insurance, uh, but they do make a lot of money. Uh, they have to sign uh, just uh, forms that uh, essentially uh, gags them, uh, and uh, they are bought by money, by uh, bonuses, by raises, uh, by stock options, and people are afraid to walk away from that, uh, regardless of what your income is. Uh, many of us uh, get on a, uh, a hamster wheel, and it's hard to get off. We uh, buy things we don't need. We take mortgages that are too big for us, and so we become enslaved to those who give us a pay uh, sign our paychecks. And it's extraordinarily difficult. And people are just also afraid. They're afraid of uh, uh, retaliation. They're afraid of uh, not being able to work again. I knew that that would likely happen to me, that I would never get another corporate job, I was fine with that, but a lot of people are not. They're just too concerned about their own well-being and uh, put that first. Yeah, it's, it's, it's truly remarkable. How do you, we, we have a little less than a minute left, Wendell. We're talking with Wendell Potter, tarbell.org, 30 seconds, in fact. Um, do you think that this is going to get fixed in the near future? I think, it, I think it can be fixed, but I want to do my part. I think, uh, and the reason I'm doing tarbell.org is to help people have the information that they need. Uh, so that they can understand what is true. Uh, in my old job, I used to uh, participate and help create propaganda campaigns. People are confused about our healthcare system. We want to connect the dots for people to show them uh, what can be done. Uh, we're all about solutions journalism, too. We'll be focusing on how the system can be fixed. We'll be helping people understand what Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All bill is all about. And uh, uh, so it takes that kind of of uh, work and people like us at Tarbell uh, to make a change. And we want to help people understand how they can make a difference as well, too. There you go. Wendell Potter, tarbell.org is the website. Thank you, Wendell. Thank you, Tom. Great talking with you.